Hey team, welcome back to the 2022 and 2022 Challenge Podcast. My name is Craig, I'm your host. This is season two and we are focusing on resilience. If you're not sure why I'm running the podcast, it is because I am fundraising for Brave Mind and Head for Change, two fantastic charities who are doing fantastic work within rugby in the UK. I have 560 odd pounds to raise. If you would like to support me, please follow the uh, link tree link in the episode and make a donation. I would really appreciate it. Now, in today's episode, we speak with Christian Sharples from Bareface Conditioning. Sharpie is also uh, works heavily with the Yorkshire Rugby Academy. We cover loads of stuff, in particular resistance, his clients that he works for uh, within his personal training space and the transformation manifestations that have happened along the way for a lot of those um, clients. But he's also got a couple of specific examples. We talk about... Uh, the difference between performance coaching and coaching athletes who uh, for some of them it will be their first time that they've had a pt instructor so some really good comparisons uh, and yeah it's just uh, another great conversation with uh, christian always really really good to get his perspective on things so let's just get stuck into the show one, two, three. Sharpie, how the hell are you, mate? Good to have you back. Morning, Morning Paul. Nice to see you again. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good. Hey, um, I know that when we spoke uh, last time, we focused a lot on uh, the academy and and what that looks like from uh, from your point of view. But uh, you know, we've I've moved into season two, um, and I'm thankful that you can come back and have a chat. And this season is going to be about resilience. So uh, the first question is going to be for you. Uh, what does what does resilience mean to yourself? I mean, it's, uh, firstly, it's great to be back. And um, this was an absolute doozy when you sent me this the other day to have a think about. <laughs> I was like, Craig is definitely hitting hitting hard here to start. Yeah. So I had, I had a good think about it and had a bit of a reflect on it and sort of kind of went through the the idea of like what words spring to mind and does that kind of accurately portray um what i think resilience is because i think most people would sort of see it as overcoming an issue or an obstacle or a setback and i think that's definitely in the ballpark and i think that's kind of the fundamentals of it but then i think there's different ways and means people interpret overcoming that obstacle or that setback and i think quite a lot of people just see resilience as pressing on, moving forward, whatever whatever means necessary. Yeah. And potentially in some some circumstances that's right. So I think kind of the way I ended up coming around to it was um it was probably sort of along the lines of a an optimal decision or an optimal action um to make progress once you're faced with an issue. Um so which basically means that could be the perfect option that could be the perfect decision to handle it it could be just the best decision within that context um it might actually be to take an informed decision to take a step back to go forward um with the long run um but i think for me it was just a bit deeper rather than just sort of getting your head down and grinding all the time it's having that 
ability to make an informed decision. So what do I need right now in this context that's going to eventually help me get further down the road than I was before? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And when I did the um, first episode of the, uh, the series, um, I went through a couple of definitions and it was, you know, resilience, ability to adapt, to overcome. And then I thought, actually, let's go right back. And um, I went back to prehistoric times. So cavemen, you know, yeah. what does it mean to them? Well, you know, it's a bit like the, the slowest lion and the fastest gazelle. You know, yeah. it's survival instinct. And then we take that through today. And, you know, the we live in homes, so we don't have to find accommodation. We, we don't have to try and catch food. We can go to the supermarket. But there's a load of other things that have happened now that means that we've got to adapt and overcome and learn and, and move on. So I I think your um your your um analysis and reflect is really, really, really interesting and it it sits well with me as well. Um in your role, so let's and I didn't say this at the start, uh what I wanted to do is spend more time focusing on uh bare face conditioning and throwing where you can uh some of the views from the rugby academy. But in your role, what do you do to build resilience for yourself? So for, for myself, I think I think to start with again, you've got to you've got to have that ability, and it's certainly something I've been working on, to have that really good self-awareness and the ability to self-reflect. Um because if we're saying that part of resilience is overcoming a setback or an issue, um, you've got to understand what setbacks are to you and what issues are to you. Yeah. Otherwise, you might well just plainly sail through life quite happily and n- never need it. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it is understanding what situations, what triggers put me into situations where I feel I need resilience and then again, it's kind of deciding what the optimal decision is or what the optimal action is to to press forward. So, uh, for example, it, it, in in my role, it's often um, sticking sticking to my principles um, of how I want to develop athletes or how I want uh, to deliver a program or uh, a certain session or a certain workout to to happen. Um, and then I've, I've basically got to work with a lot of other people to make that occur. And whether that's with bare-faced conditioning, that might be <clears throat> with a single athlete or an athlete and a parent or a group, um, or that might be, for example, making a resource or a product. And I've got to then decide, and resilience comes in there. So, for example, if I'm making a resource, I want that to be the best resource I can I can produce. So I want it to be evidence-based. So therefore, do I just look at one source of information that I know is going to get me the answer that I kind of want? Or do I actually go out and find some opinions that might challenge what I'm thinking? Yeah. But then ultimately that feeds into a better resource. Um, Are there any particular um, people that you tap into to get a second opinion if you're wanting to thinking, actually, I might go deeper here. Um, you know, is there a network of people that you can link in with? Yeah, so, and again, it, it, it all comes back to that word, that context. Uh, and again, it depends what the stumbling block or the setback is. Yeah. So if it's a case of feeling a bit, a bit knackered and a bit burnt out, 
that's probably where I'll lean on my, my friends and my family to get their opinion um, and see, see what, see what they think. Cause they see, they'll see me in a different light to my colleagues at work and the athletes I work with. Um, yeah. If it's, if it's more something along work-based stuff or uh, around coaching, uh, I've got a network of uh, tight people that I'll entrust with some feedback and stuff. And then just by the nature of, my job, I've got a, a, a larger network that I can push stuff out further depending on who 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 the target audience is. So again, if it's generally if it's something linked to bareface, it some uh, some of the products and uh, offers we we put out there is more general population stuff yep. um, rather than specific performance uh, based um, stuff. So again, my my network my immediate network's all performance-based. So the guys at the academy and the guys I work with at at Leeds Beckett, it's generally all performance-based. So I have to go to the kind of the wider network to kind of understand what um, somebody from the general population feels, thinks, sees, interprets about health and fitness. Um, And and I have to be resilient in in some of those circumstances because I know one of my big triggers is I get frustrated when I struggle to understand somebody else's point of view or something. I get frustrated quite quickly that I can't understand. Yeah. And sometimes having been in a performance, uh, well, being in a performance setup, sometimes you can't understand or it's hard for you to understand why somebody might think the way they do or why they might not have the same uh, ambition or motivation you have. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> I've got to understand that if I want to create a product that, people want to buy into yeah so when you're doing that onboarding uh process with a new with a new client so a new helping arrangement somebody comes to you for specific reasons yeah and you come across a challenge where you know how do you work through that how did there's that, that communication piece with the customer or yeah so so one one big thing we try and do really early is have a have a call like this, <clears throat> whether it's a whether it's a phone call or I prefer Zoom call. I mean, even if we can meet face to face, it's even better for me because um, you really kind of get to know that person a little bit. Yeah. Um, and often, if it's if it's potentially that person's first time having a coach or having some sort of engagement, uh, or even if it's their first time engaging in some sort of health and fitness uh, intervention. One thing they'll they'll have never done is really had that kind of self reflection or that um, really understanding why they want to do it. Like often it's quite superficial, um, uh, and ultimately, ultimately my aim as a coach there is to really dig down on why. What is your motivation of doing this? Like, you know, not only are you going to spend, you know money on this you know paying for this service and you're going to spend time doing it like on the days that it is really hard and really difficult and you've got to go to your well of resilience what's going to make you do that and get through it um and ultimately that's the first thing that you actually have a con have a consultancy call or a meeting with somebody and really try and drill down on why they want to do what they want to do or what they're telling me they want to do yeah. And that can work both ways. Sometimes it goes really, really well. And most of the time with clients, it goes really well. And you actually find something really deep that actually on the days they don't want to do it, they find the, they find the courage and they find the resilience to go and do it. 
But then also I've had it before where I've had a consultancy call and I've actually gone, do you know what? I don't think this is the right thing for you. Like my intervention and my service isn't what you need. Yeah. Um, and then either pass them on to somebody within my network or kind of suggested what they go and look at. Um, and it's a big call, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. you're, 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 you're working for yourself. Yeah. Um, but to be able to, to say, actually, we're not a good fit now. Um, but maybe in six months' time, I'm, you know, but this person is for you at the moment, then, you know, we work it that way. But I think, I think from a, almost from a customer service point of view, that, and from my point of view, or my principles, I want to deliver the best service I can to, to those clients or those athletes. And if I am not the right person to deliver that, uh, that best service at the moment, I don't see the, I don't see the problem with saying that. And like, like you've just described there, it just might not be the best fit right now. Yeah. In six months, I might be the right person to help you. Or we might be the right service for you in 12 months. Yeah. But it might even be a case of you just need to think a little bit deeper into this and then come back, you know, maybe go away for a week, think about it, come back, and we'll see what you think then. Um, yeah, and, you, and if you can find their why, you know, the, the, if you can go deep enough to understand why, why they're motivated to be here, then that will be the reason when they drag their ass off the floor. Yeah. You know, and when, I think when, the, when there's tough days. And I think motivation and resilience go hand in hand. Ultimately, yeah. I think your motivation will drive your resilience. And like we say, the deeper and the stronger that motivation is, probably the easier you'll find that resilience piece. Yeah. Um, like your example of the cavemen, like it was literally life and death. Your motivation was to get up, go find some food and not get killed. Yeah. Oh, that were it. You were scuppered. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like we say today, we've got kind of this um, fast sort of everything to hand world where um, motivation can dwindle and it can, it can be quite hard to find sometimes, I think, because everything's so easy and at hand. Yeah, um, and I know we're probably going to go on to talk about this of how like we create motivation and how we create resilience and um, part part of that as a as a coach is actually sometimes putting step setbacks and challenges in the place for your athletes or your clients. Yeah, to see how they deal with it. How they deal with it, and then but doing it intentionally uh, and doing it to the right level. So. Yeah. It's not doing the world's hardest thing straight off the bat, knowing that that's probably going to crush your, your athlete or your client. Yeah. But it's finding something appropriate that they can maybe have a setback from and then they can learn from it and you talk them through when you come up with solutions and then yeah. you might do it again or you might do something that's a little bit harder. Yep, the caveman analogy works quite well, actually. <laughs> you know, it, it, it does. It, I mean, you said it. It's absolutely you know, that. It's pretty straightforward. Back in the day, like get up, get food, or die. <laughs> like you know, let's do it again. Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't ate, eaten for five days. Yeah, there is these saber tooth tiger that's been chasing me. So either I find somewhere to say, or I catch up with somebody else, and we start cavemaning together. Yeah, or you salt and pepper yourself and give yourself to the tiger. Yeah, exactly. Now, you've mentioned self-reflection a couple of times, uh, and I think that's a really important point. And, you know, also self-awareness. For you, um, as wanting to create the best product or the best service for your clients, 
how do you normally go through that process? Do you journal? Do you what do you what is what do you do to when you're reflecting? So um, journaling is one thing that I definitely need to be at. I'm always like I've got like loads of notebooks lying around, and I'm always like, oh, I'll write loads of stuff down, and uh, I've got my my different workbooks and my different roles, and yeah, um, I have lots of ideas, and I definitely need to get them down. Um, but I'll often spend quite a lot of time just sort of internally going through that process of like... Chuck them in here, mate. No yeah. Problem. Voice recording. <laughs> See, that's the other thing I need to get better at. Everybody else is like really good on these voice messages and voice recordings. I'm like, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, probably on that, I actually do like sort of the pen and paper. I think actually engaging in the writing and kind of it slows it slows me down a little bit i think if i was able just to talk it through i'd yeah. probably miss stuff um as a process but it's definitely something i need to get better at but quite often it's a lot of time spent either sort of having that internal dialogue and reflection or chatting it's more through conversations i think i do that self-reflection and again it's kind of my what's the motivation of this product or what's the aim of this product or service and then almost going to find a selection of different people like almost have the target market or audience in mind and go to a few of those people yeah but then go to someone some that are just left or right a field of that just to see what they think of it and kind of again it, for me it's probably more of an internal process um so you finding a sorry sorry to jump in. So you're finding a concept that you're wanting to build out, and then you're deconstructing it backwards to where you're actually going to have to have somebody there, and then testing it by going to get feedback or through out in the wider audience. Audience. Yeah, exactly. So sort of one of the one of the products that we made quite early on um, in Bareface that that's been uh, available for a little while now is we, we actually made a, an ebook uh, of a cookbook. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go, if you go onto our Instagram, you'll see, see it's full of food and stuff like that. And we just decided to stick it all together in a bit of an ebook. Uh, and it took a bit of processing. It took a bit of time actually going back and all these kind of meals and recipes you put together and you'd taken a nice picture of it. You're like, well, actually, how did I make that? And how does that, yeah. You know, actually to learn, almost self-teach or develop and learn the process of putting a cookbook together or a recipe book together was quite good. Um, but then it just kept going backwards and forwards to, you know, a certain person who um, actually is literally, all I want you to do is check all the spelling and all the grammar, like some something like that. And then it went to somebody else who loves their cooking and loves recipe books. So it went to them and be like, look, what do you think of this? And uh, and it, and again, it's just picking, I suppose it comes back to that word, like context. It's like, who do I need here to give me feedback? But also then I, I'm very aware to always go to kind of the flip side of it. Yeah. Because you can always get that kind of, well, either conscious or unconscious bias. So, and again, that's, if I'm doing a, a new training program, designing a training program, there's no, there, there, there is a point. Actually, I was going to say there's no point, but there is, there is definitely benefit for me sending it out to somebody I think would use it. Yeah. But then there's also benefit of me sending it to somebody that I think may use it and then somebody I don't think would use it because then it'd be, okay, well, if you're the person that I didn't think would use it, how do I, how do I produce this thing? Or where do I, how do I get it to a point that you would use it? Yeah, exactly. And then the person that might use it, how do I guarantee you use it? And then, you know. So is that, 
ebook free? It is free, yeah. It is free uh, either through our website, so you can go on our Instagram page and the link's on there, and it's on our website um, on barefaceconditioning.com. Nice little plug there. No, no, I'll make sure that I put in the show notes and send it out Um, to the people. Yeah, it's free, and it'd be great. We're we're definitely, like, in the pipeline in the next sort of, uh, probably six months or so, we want to get another one out um, because we've we've got a lot more recipes and it's developed a lot since we put that one out um but kind of the input from clients with yeah yeah i mean i i won't give i won't give away too much but basically all the meals are in there are either are things i would use or i have used um regularly yeah but also some of them actually have specific stories linked to them and so we included those in so whether it was a certain event that happened and this was and that was the meal that was either prepping me or there at the time um and then there's some input for some from some other people as well um which is uh which is quite nice because it's kind of got that bit of personal touch to it but also it's actually relatively informative so yeah um but again like some of the feedback on that so one piece of feedback we had on that last time was we we didn't we intentionally didn't include sort of the nutritional values on it right uh, and some some people came back and said oh it, 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 the the meals are great i would just like to know what the macros are on it or the macronutrient values are on it um for you know for for my own uh, i track you know for example i track uh, and therefore i'd like to know what what the values are um and then you know that was again feedback of like well does is that a small minority of people that want that and therefore worth putting in or the general population do they want to just eat some nice food and crack on or so again it's kind of taking all that information like you say reflecting again and being like for the next time do we do one that has got nutritional values in or do we leave them out again or yeah yeah yeah, really good. Really interesting. How easy would it be to add the macros in? Fairly easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, would, it would be relatively easy. Um, it's just a case of, it's almost weighing that thing up. And again, that's where the self-reflection, the feedback, would that actually be a, uh, a barrier to somebody picking it up? Yeah. Because, um, for example, I hear a lot of people at the moment, like when they go out to eat and stuff, and now restaurants have started putting the calorie values on stuff and they're like, well exactly your face has just told the story they're like not keen on that like come out to have a nice meet you know come out to eat and i've kind of not bothered whereas i know some people would be really interested in that yeah um yeah. so again it's just finding that balance of you know do you, do you put it in do you not what what are people saying but ultimately you've got to be open to that kind of feedback if yeah you want to. yeah people can make an informed choice whether they look at it or not either yeah yeah, yeah exactly but like driving down the motorway those yeah. lines don't matter yeah yeah some of them, some yeah. Of them are well, those lights blurring behind me yeah we can make an informed decision to indicate or not but exactly exactly so we've we've covered off sort of that resilience and understanding and, and finding the way out with customers and then going and you touched on sort of nutrition and and i think that's a great concept because it makes it easy for something else that a, a new client can say oh wow you know i've got these all these different recipes I'm wanting to do this, but I'm really not too sure how to tweak um, tweak 
you know, what's being cooked at home and then that could help the kids and it could help the husband. He's not getting out and, you know, it just starts to snowball. It's a really positive impact there. I mean, that's interesting just before we move on. Sorry. Just, no, you're right. Just before we move on there, like you said about there, there's somebody having almost the confidence and the ability to kind of tweak it themselves. Yeah. Um, which is a really interesting thing you bring that up. So our kind of theme for this year at Bareface is we've sort of described it as it's the year of you. I saw, that. I saw that the other day. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, basically what, what what we want to do with all our products, uh, not all our products, and but all our sort of, pro- uh, most of our products and services this year is give people the, firstly the confidence, but also enough knowledge that they can take a bit more control of what they do. So, for example, ultimately it comes down to a little bit of logistics as well, like, I, I can only coach so many people to the level I want to be able to coach them to give them that service at a time. Yeah. So I want to create something. We're just in the, we're just in the early stages of actually creating the product um, to give people enough knowledge and skills that they then can go away themselves and again, make an informed decision of how they create say a training plan or a nutrition plan. Um, and it's sort of want to find the middle ground between just giving you a template and then doing the whole service for you. Yeah. Um, and it's finding that middle ground of like you, here's the knowledge sort of in a way that's hopefully accessible to general population. And therefore based on what you want to do, whether it's nutritionally, physically, psychologically, you can go away and you can do that now. Um, and you can adjust it and you can understand how to change it and adapt it. And then there is, then on the back of that might be, okay, you've got to a certain point and now you actually do need my expertise. So that's when you'd go further into a different service or a different offer. But They're starting to take ownership for their own development as well. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, you probably know you the best. <laughs> so... Again, I could I could create I could very easily just create products and session plans and six week programs that are kind of off the shelf. Yeah. But one of the first principles in designing a training program for athletes is sort of that individuality, um, or at least in my world, is giving people the ability to understand their individuality. Yeah. So. So I'll take it. I'll take an example from the academy. So when we do our blocks of programming, um, often the the programming will be to all the players. So for example, going through our academy league block at the moment, there is one program. But what I do is then there's this program, and it's encouraging the players to either there is choice built into the program. So there's an option to do this or this, and then through actually coaching them and giving them uh, and having conversation with them, it's giving them enough knowledge and enough confidence to go, actually, I might need to do two more reps on this exercise to really feel it or to learn it better. Or so they can start to individualize it slightly themselves within a, within a generic program. Yeah. Um, and some people might, some, you know, there's always this argument, especially in SNC of like, everything should be individualized and which it should be to a certain extent but when you're dealing with a group of 40 players yeah. or you're dealing on mass there has to be some form of 
um, consistency. Um, also because some things just work. <laughs> some things just... You've got to have the basics first. Yeah, and and then it's giving people... The, and again, for me, it's always giving people enough knowledge or enough... Conf- and, and sometimes it is the confidence to actually change it themselves. Yeah. Um, and I'll always be open to either athletes or players or clients coming to me and saying, look, I think this, this needs tweaking or do you mind if I do this exercise instead of this? Yeah. And I'll be like, as long as you give me a, a decent reason and it's not just because your pal next to you is doing it, um, I'm more than happy to go with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our theme for Bareface this year is to give people more ownership over what they do, but just give them some real simple and accessible tools that allows people to do that. Um, so hopefully in the next sort of six to nine months, you'll be seeing some more of that, that kind of stuff filter through. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, I know when you talk about rugby players, so you've got their base fitness, you know, your core, your strength, your levers, etc. but the spread of sort of different roles from front row through to wingers, you know, they, don't, they can... They, they definitely understand where they need to go and sort of start to have different choices around the kind of weight training they may be wanting to do it. You know, if it's high load in, in the front row, whether it's, or it's, you know, you want to be as quick as you can out on the wing. So definitely. Yeah, 100%. So in our, in our programs there, we'll have some fundamental building blocks or some pillars. But then, as I say, often they'll, they'll see like athlete choice or they'll see choice of neck exercise. And it's like, here's a menu or here's a bunch of exercises that you can do for your neck. You go away and decide which one works best for you. So if you're a, if you're a prop, is it something that gets you into a position for scrummaging and then you're loading your neck as well? Uh, if you're a back, are you doing it actually stood up right? Or are you doing it in a tackling position? Like, you know, or because of the equipment available, are we doing this one? Um, because again, it comes back. It comes back to that thing I keep mentioning: context. So, within my forty players, they'll all have different contexts away from the academy, and the clients I work with uh, online all have different contexts. Yeah. So there's no point in me saying, right, you've got to do this exercise, because they might not actually have the ability to do that exercise through the facilities they go to or the equipment they've got access to. Yeah. yeah. So. That's again, but ultimately that leads to it being individualized. Yeah, I suppose it's like um, again creating an ebook for food where the the meals are replaced by the um, the core uh, requirements of the exercise or the you know what you've got, and then you've got your add-ons. You can have what do you want for starters? We can do these exercises, these weight things, you know, and just build them into what you want to have as an individual. Yeah. I mean, like you take that, you kind of take that meal thing again. It's like, I've probably got like five or six kind of base meals or the basis of a meal that I'll go to. Um, often because I can bulk cook it and that sorts me out for yeah. some meals across the week. But then you can play around with different different ingredients and different, slightly different things. And it changes the meal slightly and different combinations will work and won't work. But um you know, then effectively out of one base meal, you create, you can actually create 10 different options. Yeah. But yeah. again, it's giving people that confidence as well as the competence to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Hey, um, when you start working with clients at Bareface, you know, what transformation do you see as they begin their journey? Do you, can you see the changes uh, manifest themselves um, physically or verbally? What do you encounter? Yeah, it's, um, again, it, it, it's very specific to the, the individual. And again, it comes back to what their motivation is. So um, I'll give you an example of a couple of clients I've just had recently. So um, one was a, a pretty decent level crossfitter. And she, her aim was to work on a very specific uh, physical attribute. Um, so again, it was me going away and working with her and sitting down and really understanding what physical attribute she wanted to work on, why she wanted it, how it was going to help her, the rest of her performance. Uh, and then coming back with options for her and sort of agreeing why I'd presented these options. So again, it wasn't sort of me saying, this is this is what I would do because I'm ultimately not going to do it. Yeah. But it's coming back with going, right, based on this information and my experience, this is what I think would be best. And effectively what we ended up doing is breaking this the physical skill uh, down and building it, building it back up over six weeks in chunks and just loading and sort of heavily loading the different chunks of the movement before then the second six weeks, we just went back to doing the full movement um, with a load that building up to a load that wasn't, was the um, aim she wanted. Um, And, you know, I suppose that just, that's kind of just going back to the kind of old school coaching days of, well, if you can't do the skill, well, let's break it down a little bit. Let's chunk it. Yeah let's do it in little bits that we can do and then we'll start to stick those bits together and then voila, you've got the finished product. And then the only difference with that was it, it was it was a loaded movement. So, um, so the transformation there was, again, probably more along her, her movement qualities were absolutely fine. So physical qualities was just it needed time to build the physical strength to be able to hit the aim she wanted. But again, it was kind of giving her the confidence that she would the pro by by yeah. sticking to the process. Yeah, the it would get there as a as a result um, of just time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the fortunate thing about that athlete is she was more than happy to stick in the process and really focus on the process goals rather than necessarily just the outcome. Um, so she was really happy to stick in with the what I do every day and all the behaviours and decisions I make every day are going to help me get to that end goal in the end. Um, and I suppose that that is her form of resilience, that after week one, she didn't expect to be hitting a main goal, that actually we'd planned to hit in week 12. Um, but she was happy to stick in there and do the work, which, you know, again, we're saying about resilience, but like we mentioned earlier, along the way, she had some setbacks. She... Um, which she had to overcome and we had to make decisions on how best to either tailor or alter or adapt the training program based on some of those setbacks um, to, but to ultimately keep her progressing forward. So for example, one day it might not be we've prescribed or we've sort of prescribed a certain load um, and we're not going to do that load. We're going to, I don't know who, whether that's you or me. Is that your call? 
Um, I don't know. Um, so we're gonna then we're gonna then maybe take it down a little bit, or we're gonna um, we're gonna actually ramp it up, or yeah. uh, we we make those decisions together um, based on what how we, she was feeling. But ultimately, again, I go back to we were making the optimal decision yeah. on the information that was available to us in that context right then. So she might well have been able to go and lift the, the load we prescribed, but based on what she was feeling, we might decide to actually, do you know what, go for it. Go for that. Actually, go harder. Yeah. If you're feeling good, go for it. But actually, you've had a, you know, you've had a few days where you're not feeling very well, so let's just take it down a little bit. There's no rush. Yep. And just build it up. Um, so how do so you... That was kind of one example in sort of yeah, no, that's... Uh, a genuine S&C kind of context uh of building that kind of physical that physical development and um, probably the other one was uh, uh again i mentioned last time we were working with uh, uh a young girl who's uh sort of an elite level footballer and her biggest transformation was probably um finding consistency and balance so kind of more of a psychological skill um so and it was really nice to see her transformation. I, I mentioned this the other week to somebody, actually. So I had a call with her just before Christmas. And I remember the very first call I had with her, her and her dad. Uh, and kind of, as you probably would assume, or maybe not assume, but kind of think, like, there was a lot of talking going on in that first conversation. And it was mainly her, me and her dad. Yeah. Um, on the last call, I, we, we, we couldn't stop her talking. Yeah. Like she just developed that confidence and that uh, ability to engage in the conversation we were having about some strategies around nutrition and recovery because um, ultimately, again, she'd gone away and done the work. So she'd gone away, she'd, she'd bought into trying the strategies and trying the nutritional um, strategies that we'd agreed might work. Uh, and again, she 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 did it over time, and she built that confidence as well as a confidence in doing that. That yeah. she could come on a call and have a genuine, good conversation about what she was doing and how she was adapting it, based on school life, going to England camp, being at club, and what was working for her. Um, but then also yeah. understanding understanding it is a balance. Like she didn't yeah. need to, she didn't need to be a hundred percent. Yeah. every day to still progress yeah she could have a day where actually she didn't do any of it yeah but it was finding being consistent rather than perfect and that was probably the biggest transformation she she's she's done so far i think two keys two things that stick out for me there and probably you can comment on this how does it feel to have um sort of a a, a really good uh win in a situation like that over a longer period of time um, so you give me a comment in a minute, but the other thing is around consistency. Yeah. Um, you know, and just sticking with it. So if you want to just give us a, you know, how did that feel when you had that conversation? Uh, I think as a, I think as a coach or, you know, it's probably similar to teachers or anybody like that. Um, when you get, when, when you just know that the person you're working with is, has just got it, has just absolutely, nailed it and whether that's they've physically nailed a skill or a lift or whether they've just understood it to 
to where exactly you need them to understand it right now. It, it, unless you've had that feeling, I don't think you can describe it. It really is, it properly like lifts you up. Yeah. And, and, and I suppose, uh, from, probably from a bit of an egotistical point of view, you're like, great, I actually do know what I'm talking about and it's worked. Yeah. So as well as it just validates everything that you've wanted to do. It's like, yeah, it worked. And then there's that part. It's like, yeah, they get it. Yeah. And I think, and I think, and I think often like, you know, there seems to be kind of this whole media thing around sort of everyone needs to be humble and, you know, don't shout from the rooftops, but I'd encourage my athletes and my clients. So when they do something really well, yeah, like celebrate it. Yeah, and I don't think that's any different from us as coaches. Like when something goes well, yeah, celebrate it. Yeah, we can go back and self-reflect and understand how maybe we do it better or we do it more informed next time. Yeah, but in the moment, like enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Like enjoy your enjoy your athlete's success because ultimately, you have been part of that process. Yeah, definitely. So I know, I know for the for that for that footballer. I've only been a very small part of that process for her. But ultimately she she has learned something from me that has helped her even if it's just made her a little bit more confident. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Like, you know, and whether then- any of the nutritional strategies or recovery strategies actually make her physically a better athlete, you know if she feels more confident in herself that she can go out and perform because of them, well, I'm taking that win. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully she can take those principles and apply them in different areas of her lives as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you're doubling down on, on the work that you've done. So that answers, you know, the question I was going to sort of pose here around transformational change over and above physical improvement. That's a fantastic example. Yeah. Um, I'll go back and answer your second question on that, John. Oh, yeah. So that, so again, that that's probably, so probably my life. That's been the biggest transformation for me. Yep. Is I very much psychologically used to be very much kind of like uh, all in or nothing. It's all or nothing, really. Like if I was doing something, um, I was committing to it hundred percent, which I still do. But I have this understanding of I don't have to be perfect. Yeah. I can now be consistent. Yeah. And I actually use the example with uh, one of my one of our interns at the uh, academy the other day of um, you can be you could be the best coach, but if you're inconsistent, n- nobody will work with you. Uh, and the idea being, you could coach a ten out of ten session. And it'd be the absolutely best session anyone's ever seen. But then your next three sessions are like proper bombs and three out of 10 and nobody knows what's going on. No one will remember the 10 out of 10. Um, Whereas if you're an eight out of 10 or seven out of 10, but you deliver that consistently and everybody knows what's going to happen or they have an understanding of where you're going to pitch it. People like... um, People like consistency in the sense of it's reassuring. Yeah. Like there's there's no surprises. You know, it, it'd be like with a player in selection. You know, do you take do you take the Maverick who can be ten out of ten and win you a match, but also be a three out of ten and lose you a match? Yeah. Or do you pick more 
seven, eight out of ten who are going to get the job done. It might not look amazing. It might not get a load of likes on Instagram, but it'll get done to a good level and it'll get done every week. Like, I know, I know as a coach, you're more than likely going to back the eight out of ten, seven out of ten over the Maverick. Yeah, well, funny you should say that because in terms of selection, I, I saw a, a piece about how they select um, the leader or seals or how they select the leaders at leadership and seals and it's around sort of trust you know over competency high trust you know and they will take the the underperformers or the medium performing guys with high trust levels over your mavericks because yeah. they can be all with low motivation because they can be all over the place 100 i think that's a really good way good way and a good environment to take that sort of stuff from yeah like and, and and again, in context, average or just above average could still be really, really, really high level. Yeah. It's just average or just above average within their context. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it's reassuring to know. Ex- so if I'm running into a war zone, it's reassuring to know exactly what that guy next to me is going to do and how he's going to react and now how our training is similar. Whereas if he could just literally go off the cuff and do his own thing, then that doesn't help the team, doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I think for a good example from a rugby point of view is when I I look back to in New Zealand, Ben Smith from Otago played wing for the All Blacks, yeah. played fullback. He's one of the most underrated players that's ever played the game. Yeah. Mr. Tackle, you know, great. Every high ball. Yeah. You know, chip and chase, always um, covering and just slides through tackles, but didn't do anything flashy. You know, just and I and I, I and I don't mean to say sort of an average player, but his he wasn't flashy. He was just great. Hundred percent. He wasn't. Um, I'm trying to think of who somebody in that sort of division around that arena. Uh, Conrad Smith would have been another person. Conrad Smith, he, he, I mean, those guys probably don't have the um, X factor that say like a Nihi Milner Scudder, yeah, uh, or somebody like that has. But like you say, they, you know, the guys coaching there know Ben Smith is going to perform eight out of ten, yeah, and and would probably be in the conversation for man of the match every time he stepped on that field. He might not get it, yeah, but he'd be in the conversation, yeah, yeah. So no, it's um, I think I think that's a really good point. You know, just having the confidence to we go back to having the confidence to you know be consistent. Um, I think that's a really good way to look at it. And I think sometimes, as I say, from my point of view, for me personally, it is almost to have the confidence to be consistent. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on people in the world through social media and just expectations to be perfect. Yeah, and actually just to be consistent and provides you with a bit of balance as well. Yeah, one thing that I've really learned over the last year is um, to not beating yourself up as well. Yeah. You know, you have good days, you have bad, bad days. If you're consistent with your effort, then that's fine. That yeah, Your soul will be happy with that. You know, if you're not where you're, like you said, with with the athlete taking it back a bit, dropping down, 
that the process will, you know, keep working through the process and then she's achieved what she wanted to achieve, maybe in a different way that had been originally thought out, but you're seeing what's happening, you're adapting and you're going again. Yeah. And and, and again, we, we come back to that point of like, it is very specific and individual to you as a person. So y- your ability level or skill level on a certain thing will be different to somebody else's and therefore what you see as consistent or what you hold yourself to as consistent will be different based on your context. Yeah. Exactly. And that, and that's absolutely, absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, um, from a resilience point of view, I know they come at it from different angles, but you, you, your personal clients through Bareface and then your guys that you're working with, um, at the Academy. Yeah. The principles are the same. Yeah. But the motivations are very different. Yeah. Um, but do you see resilience um, sort of applicable but in slightly different ways with both groups? Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I think you've actually summed it up really nicely. Like sort of the principles across both both contexts are similar. Yeah. Uh, they are slightly different, but they are similar because ultimately I'm the one coaching it, I'm delivering it. So they're, they're going to be because it's my interpretation of how uh, a framework works, how sessions work, how exercises work. So there's going to be lots of similarities and crossover. Um, often with bareface and general pop, like I said, I've got to really, I've got to really understand that that person or that group's motivation um, first before I can move forward. Um, because ultimately, we need to find that to make sure because often with bareface is I'm not. I'm not there coaching with them. It's often done online. Yeah. So I've got to find the thing that's going to be effectively going to be my voice in their head when they're there potentially uh, doing the workout or doing the nutrition by themselves. Yeah. So I've got to find a hook or I've got to find uh, uh, a cue or something like that that's going to help uh, them almost hear my voice in their head when they need it. Yeah. if I'm not there to be with them, whereas it's slightly different in the rugby academy context where often I can be there and one of the, one of the motivations I can, I can assume, it's not always correct, but I can assume by the players within the academy is they want to be the best rugby player they can be. Yeah. And for some of them, again, that might be uh, playing for the academy and representing the Yorkshire Rugby Academy is enough yeah. and that's their highest ever achievement. That's brilliant. If that's the case, fantastic. Some of them will have ambitions to be a professional rugby player. Some of them will have ambitions to get 100 caps for England senior team and go on a Lions tour. Yeah. Like, and then it's kind of just, but ultimately the, the motivation is to be the best rugby player they can be. Uh, and the, the, the level at which they attain that is just slightly different. Yeah. Um, and again, the other difference is, is I can be there to actually physically change stuff and motivate people if I need to. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you um, say have somebody in that, on that pathway, going yep. to the top level, are you able to see where um, they can seek benefit from um, spending, with them spending time with somebody to help work through the mental side of their game? 100%. Hundred percent. Um, I think 
I don't know who said it recently, but so somebody uh, somebody said recently, uh, and I think it was in a rugby context, but it's a, a it's applicable to sport generally. Um, they were they were sort of going down the lines of everybody's always looking for the the marginal gains or the one percent in like physicality or technical ability, like coming up with new drills or practices or quirky ways of uh, delivering stuff or the new piece of equipment that's going to help your athletes be faster. And it says, actually, ultimately, the marginal gain comes down to the mentality. Yeah. And it says, so we, I mean, the analogy I think was basically we'd spend six weeks, uh, six hours a week in the gym and an hour a week working, you know, having time with the psychologist is like, that should be totally inverted. Yeah. We should be doing exactly what we need to do and spending enough time in the gym so we are physically prepared for the demands of our sport. But we should be doing a hell of a lot more to work on team and individuals mentality. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, again, I go back to our, our theme at Bareface this year, the year of you, yeah. like even within a team, you need the individuals to perform. So ultimately it does come back to the individual. Yeah. yeah definitely. Like the, te- the team can only have success if all the cogs within the team work in unity. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'd, I remember listening to it somewhere, you know, and I remember being told this, use your top 2% of your, you know, use your top two inches, yeah. use your top two inches. Um, and when you start to think about it, what does that mean? Yeah. You know. And, and I think, again, like, we we do work hard. Um, we do work hard in the academy to, to get uh, the appropriate support in place to give give our athletes the skills and the knowledge around how to improve their mental performance, could we potentially be better at that? Hundred percent, but I think every sporting environment could be. Yeah, I th- I think that's um, so underrated these days. I mean, you so academy players, for example, what are they doing at school? You know, they're about to be going to university or going into work. Yeah, trying to form relationships. There's you know, other relationships out outside of rugby that, you know, they're finding partners, that kind of stuff. There's alcohol. There's all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we can help them improve their mental state or their, you know, their well-being, then that just has so many other benefits, right? Yeah. It encompasses their whole life, really. And again, that's, it's so fundamental from a, a coaching point. Yeah. Um to understand that individual's mentality uh, and probably one one theory I kind of or, or sort of theory I always fall back on is self-determination theory um, by Detchi and Ryan uh, and it, it's basically how you drive motivation uh, and they sort of suggest three areas that can come in through like um, one being relatedness so how relatable do you feel to the, either the person or the situation you're in and if there is that level of relatedness you're going to be more motivated yeah so uh trying to think of a real so so for example uh, in in my old guys of coaching community rugby i'd always be on the back foot if i was going to do a girls session yeah. because i'd be a man teaching teaching young girls how to play rugby well how how do they relate to me how do i relate to their circumstances i, I there's very little in common there. 
but the common ground you could often find would be and we'd work hard I'd work hard as a coach to find some common ground and whether that was you just like sport generally or you watch the same TV it it can be really like trivial stuff but you start to build that that common ground and that relatedness and then you start to build the engagement and the buy-in and that that then drives some motivation the the uh, an, another strand of that theory would be autonomy. So people genuinely feel more uh, motivated and bought into something that they have some autonomy in. So whether they have some choice or whether they have some ownership. So we spoke about ownership earlier. So if they actually feel responsible and have ownership for either creating something or building something, they're going to be more motivated to follow through on it. Yeah. Um, and again, and again, when, as I say there, when with the bareface clients, the first thing we do is a consultation call and it's always me and them working together. Yeah. It's never me coming in and going, right, this is, right, you tell me what you want and this is the way you're going to do it. I have, to con- I have to take into consideration, like you just mentioned, like their social life, their work life, their previous knowledge, their current knowledge, their physical ability, their mental capacity, their social capacity. You know, it might be actually that when you dig deeper, they want to do this intervention to improve or develop their social skills. Well, actually then, have you got somebody that can go to the gym with you? Or do you go to a class? Or does that actually then, instead of you going to the gym by yourself, do we point you down to the local CrossFit gym where it's a fitness class? Yeah, and actually, that's the benefit you need from it. Um, you know, and that totally changes the conversation. Oh, definitely. Um, one of the biggest things that I sort of studying learn is it's all about connection. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of a role you've got, whether it's technical, whether it's in outside of sport. You just need to be able to connect and make yeah. it relatable, like you said. You know, with with the girls. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the thing it can it, it, it you can have a really deep connection it, with somebody on the most trivial thing yeah and but ultimately if that for me as a coach if that helps them buy in and engage with what we're trying to do then brilliant like I'll, again i'll take it <laughs> like exactly. um and then that and that piece of that, that ownership and autonomy piece is really important because you know ultimately at the end of the day the people I work with, the athletes I work with, uh, the clients I work with, they've got to do it. Yeah. Like I can't go and I can't go lift the weights for them or I can't do the nutritional strategies for them because it's not me. It's them that want to do it. Oh, it's them that are telling me they want to do it. or want to improve. So they've got to do it. Um, exactly. Um, exactly. Hey, um, I think we're going to have to wrap up now, but yeah. uh, before we go, Give us a couple of tips or uh, a couple of takeaways that you would really want to highlight to people listening into the episode today. So, say so we'll drop back in on the theme of resilience. So, I think one of the things that we have sort of pointed out and touched on a little bit is that is just being consistent. Like consistency is is probably the best form of resilience. Um, and again, that doesn't mean just getting your head down and grinding through, um, and probably being foolhardy like be informed yeah. like get seek out new knowledge new information new perspectives to inform your optimal decision or action 
for that context and that and that time. Um, so consistent, which like consistency is the key. Like if you can just keep um, being consistent but not perfect, then you will have that balance to be able to hit the guardrails now and again. Yeah. But ultimately get that strike to use a bit of a bowling analogy, which is very random. But <laughs> and if you're having a, and if you're having a bad day, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like again, it's just about being consistent. So you might be having a bad day today. So can you have a a little bit of a better day tomorrow and yeah. build it back up, and then you're flying again. So uh, that would be so. That probably my biggest takeaway from that resilience is resilience, resilience, motivation, and consistency. Chuck them all in one pot, and you're probably not going. Yeah, stir it up, mix it up. It'll be in the next Bareface cookbook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you can't go far wrong, really. Um, no, I, I know we could keep talking, actually, because there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover, but I think uh, we'll say that for another day, shall we? Yeah, 100%, um, mate. If people want to get in contact with you, Sharpie, and actually, in, in terms of consistency, if you find yourself up against guardrails, you can always give uh, Sharpie a, a message or a call, and I'm sure you'll sort you out. I was just going to ask one thing. Um, when you are, is it just you involved in bareface conditioning, or is there some other genius in the background that's supporting you? Yeah, so there's another genius in the background. Uh, so my my better half, she uh, she helps out a lot, okay. um, and I get a lot of support. Um, so it's kind of us; we do it together. Um, but we get a lot of support from other friends and family, actually. Around sort of the content creation and advice from them. So uh, her sister is a social media consultant. So I get oh. a lot of help on that side of things, which is oh, really good. So classy on social media, mate. <laughs> so, but then, um, but then I get a lot of help from my like friends and other people. So um, uh, Chris Stafford from our sins, you probably knows the rugby coach on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, he helps he helps with some of the content um when I can actually drag him into the gym. So um Brilliant. Uh, no, again, like you said, it's about having that network around you. Uh yeah. and it it doesn't just happen by one person doing it, it's a lot of other people doing it, uh or helping out to do it. So no, it's good. So yeah, anybody wants to get in contact, probably Instagram's the place that we do most of our stuff through. So it's just uh if you search bareface conditioning on Instagram. Uh, you, you won't go far wrong um, and you can either DM us through there or there's a link to the website and the emails uh, on there but yeah I'll, no, I'll as you sure say, put all your contact details in the show notes as well yeah that'd be fantastic always always happy to have a chat and uh, as I say try and find the best the best solution or the best workaround for um, anybody brilliant thanks for your time today Billy no worries pal cheers cheers so there you have it, another fantastic conversation with Sharpie. Key takeaways from me is, as we spoke about at the end of the uh, interview, consistency, not grinding, be informed, improve your knowledge bank so you can adapt, be open for change, and just keep turning up, keep showing up. So that's it from me. Again, if you'd like to donate, please do so. I'd really appreciate the support. Contact details of Sharpie in the show notes. 
But for now, my name's Craig Bartlett. I'm really, really proud to be supporting Brave Mind and Head for Change. And you have been listening to the 2022 and 2022 Challenge. Bye for now.